Oh, did you zoom in on your face? You look amazing. I don't <laughs> know. What did I do? I don't know. Ben's happiness and uh, chipper nature right now is nursing me back to, to health. God damn it, I zoomed in and now I don't know how to zoom out and it's going to be like this on my work calls. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now your coworkers just get to see that lovely shining face of yours. <laughs> I guess so. Right, Joel. JP and I were just talking before you hopped on, Benny, that it's it's been a a little bit of a tough weekend for uh, Oregon st- State related uh, results. Yeah, uh, one, ones that officially went in the book. But there there are a lot of good things since the first time, or since we last met in this medium. Uh, it is Sunday, October second. Uh, happy sixty six episode. Uh, six six. Pretty, pretty spooky, and it's officially Ooh. spooky season. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. shit. That yeah, was we, planned. We should have, uh, should we have a Belligerent Thieves Halloween party on, on Twitter or, or any other medium? Um, I feel like we're nerds just having parties on Twitter and not in real life. <laughs> we should. You going to a party this weekend? Yeah. Where? On the internet? <laughs> on Twitter.com? You heard you of know, it? You don't know, my friends. They go to other schools. <laughs> they are real, Mom. The One of the <laughs> happiest things that's happened since we recorded last episode, and I imagine, and particularly happy for one of us, but I imagine happy for many of our, our listeners, uh, it's, it's a new dawn in the Pacific Northwest. The Seattle Mariners playoff drought finally, mercifully, and emphatically is over. Uh, Mar- Mariners fan and uh, passionate Babay, Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage. First of all, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. You've been, I, I know your Mariners fandom has peaked, has picked up in like the last few years. And I feel like I, I hear from you about the M's on opening day every year. And I kind of just scoff like, why does Benny do this to himself? Uh, I'm not trying to shun the Mariners. I have no room to throw shade. Uh, but I'm just like, I'm like, oh, like, like, yeah, it's. They'll they'll be fun and then fizzle out, but they are awesome. They're in the playoffs, and shout out to our 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 friend of the pod and listener Claire Eagle in Seattle native in the Seattle area. Uh, I I think I I pledged my my postseason loyalty to the Mariners, and I'm I'm excited about them. I bought a hat, so I'm already I'm already. That's right. I was there when he bought it. Whoa, yeah. that's commitment from JP. Yeah. yeah. He went to a game. He he well, came up on the train for a game, yeah. uh, the Seattle Mariner game. I know. That was one of those days where you guys hang out in person and you use the Bay Base thread to, like, coordinate everything. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I, I do feel, um, like, I'll put it this way. So you guys have been fans of, of the Giants and the Twins, respectively, for since you guys were born. And I was I was sort of late into the game with the Mariners, so um, f- fully admit that I was not there for the full 21 years that they had a playoff drought. Um, but I was there for some of them, and it is nice to be in the playoffs. Uh, it's a fun team to watch for sure, and I know we have uh, uh, several listeners that are big Mariners fans. So um, it, I will say, like, what a way for them to get into the postseason too. The the walk off home run was uh, was pretty special. Is is one of those uh, moments where I, I feel like I don't know if I'll remember it forever, but I'll remember it for a couple years for sure. <laughs> just just a couple. 
<laughs> and and shout out Matt Boyd. Be, yeah. be alum Matt Boyd. Oh, Hunt, man. Ex-giant. What a cool... I, I don't know if you guys saw the... Um, his, the his interview? Press, or not the press conference, but the interview after the game. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Matt Boyd grew up in Seattle um and he's being interviewed after uh, grew up in seattle and was a mariners fan growing up so he was being interviewed after the game where they clinched and he broke down into tears and it was the most like um just quality heart tugging thing i've seen <laughs> in so long um where he he was he was living the life that I think all of us as kids wanted to live is like having a big moment for the team that you grew up uh, cheering for and, and him being a part of it. So right. shout out to Matt Boyd. That had to have felt absolutely incredible. Matt Boyd's 31. So like he got the Griffey era, but like probably as a, as a little too young to remember, here comes Griffey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, JP, please play five seconds of My Oh My by Macklemore. <laughs> Flash Ben Wee Hage. the throat of the place, not in time. My Oh My, the Mariners win it. If you haven't noticed yet, listener, Benjamin Lawrence of Ashley Hage looks quite a bit like uh, the rapper Macklemore, who is a uh, a fellow Ben. Uh, ben Ben Haggerty, I believe his name That's is. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out Matt Boyd, Mercer so Island. You guys are the same person. Up. Yeah, I've never, never seen, seen the two of you. Yeah. Right. It's true. I'd, hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, congrats on uh, all of the success, uh, Mr. Mr. Haggerty. Uh, you robbed Kendrick Thanks. and those Grammys, so fuck you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, and also, not not quite the same as ending a 21-year playoff drought, uh, but JP... You're 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 alive and shining uh, after a pretty pretty exciting night in your life. Uh, Oregon State loses to Utah. We'll talk about it. Uh, that game's not not so important though. What is important is you were at Boo Bomb <laughs> last night. Such yeah, a was. good name for a show. Ice Cube, Ying Yang Twins, Ja Rule, yeah, <laughs> Corrupt, Warren G. It was amazing. Honestly, like <laughs> if. Part of me kind of felt bad for the performers just because I'm like, why are you still doing this? But <laughs> the, the best part was they weren't like trying to like, you know, pimp their new music or something. They were just like, I, right. I'm hanging my hat on what worked. I've been performing this song for 30 years. I don't care. I'm still right. doing it. And they were having fun. I mean, I really don't think that there is anyone who loves people more than corrupt loves literally any person on the planet. Every single, <laughs> every single person he saw, he was like dancing with them. He was hugging them. He was out on the stage for like every single performance, and like they'd have to like stop and be like, "Hey, there's my my dude, corrupt." He'd like be like leaning on the DJ set, like drinking a beer. That's awesome. <laughs> That's how you know he's genuinely a good dude too. Yeah, exactly. Love to see it. Yeah, so I was happy to uh, to enjoy some of the uh, the dog pound yesterday as well. For sure, that's cool. I feel like there's there's two sort of ways that you can go about being like someone like Corrupt or Warren G that are going on tour thirty years after your your music. Well, not so much Corrupt, but thirty years after your music was really popular. You can either view it as the money grab or have the time of your life, and that that's cool to see someone having the time of their life. Yeah. What exactly. was like the average age of attendees, JP? I feel like okay. you you 
probably should have been on the younger side, but I have a feeling maybe the youths came out for this. A lot of the youths came out, but there were like 60 plus people Hell yeah. Like, yeah. sitting on the floor seats. And I was like, all right. Yeah, because they were like, you know, our age <laughs> when these guys right. were first coming up. So they they did look a little out of place. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure they probably felt it when, when people started ripping joints, like literally everywhere inside of Moda. And like, uh, the, the, the old heads get it. <laughs> the old heads at Boom Bomb. <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe if they're at Boom Bomb. You know what you're signing expected. up for. <laughs> yeah. Right. They understood the assignment. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, there was like a father-son sitting in front of us, which I thought was pretty cool, right? Like they both – we're videotaping different performers on videotaping filming on their phones. Uh, and just like you could tell they had like a shared bond over, over the music. And so there was definitely a wide range of people, but honestly, like I think because of, I said this to you guys last night, like I think because of how wide of a range of like the interests and the people in the backgrounds were at that kind of event, it looked like artificial intelligence created a bunch of like, you know, like fake video game people just to walk around Moda Center around me because every single person <laughs> just didn't look recognizable or something. I don't really know what it was. It was kind of like it was like, how? Okay, yeah, you do. You seem like a normal person, I guess. And oh, and you too. But why are you guys walking next to each other, walking past each other? It just all was very, very strange to me. And I couldn't really put my finger on it. And then Annie asked if I was uh, had gotten contact high already, but I don't think so. I think I just thought it felt like I was in a video game because everyone was so different. <laughs> You're like, no, I don't. But everyone seems like they're in a video game right now. <laughs> right. I'm totally you not high. But what if yeah. we're just this? <laughs> we're just in. This is we are the Sims. <laughs> we're, we're, we are in the Matrix. Oh, this is a simulation, and The Sims has been the real life all along. Oh man! If that was the case, I had what was the? But uh, no, I'm not high. I'm not high at all. <laughs> what was the neighbor in The Sims? I think his name was like Bob or something. Bob Newby. You guys remember Bob Newby? Is this The Sims one? Yeah, he I had a bald head. Played he he kind of looked like me. He had like a shaved head and a beard, and he was like a slob. <laughs> <laughs> but. Did you ask Annie if your name was Bob Newby? <laughs> Where am I? Am I Bob no. Newby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like I know, uh, I know, I know who you are. But but just just go along with this. Tell me who you are. You are my <laughs> wife, right? <laughs> but I'm, I, you're just talking about The Sims, and it just brought me back because one time, if this was real life, I would be in a, a world of trouble. Um, I somehow was able to like code in a loop of uh requests into the sims and i made it i made bob newbie drink coffee for like three straight days and he just kept like drinking and then like peeing himself and drinking and peeing himself and like he just wouldn't sleep he would just keep kept making coffee and drinking it and i think i broke the game or i definitely broke bob newbie because then when i finally stopped and felt kind of bad and like left uh, and went back. He was to my addicted character. to coffee. And... No, he stayed asleep for eternity. He wasn't dead. He just was asleep on the ground. There was no way to wake him up. They didn't respawn him or anything. He just slept for eternity. And I wow. think I think I somehow destroyed Bob Newby. And I feel really bad about that. Well, R.I.P. to Bob Newby. 
<laughs> he wasn't dead though. The, this he, just, he had to have been at some point. I, I don't the, know. R.I.P. to the sentience. Oh, and see, this is no, yeah. Cause this is Bob where it gets. Movie. This is where it gets weird. He was. Actually, I never played The Sims. This is what? so bizarre to me. He was a ghost. Mm. He was a ghost in The Sims too. Oh, so he was dead because he, yeah, he did, I did die. kill him. Oh, I played a lot of Sim City. Me too. Oh yeah, Sim Golf was a fun one. There's also the tycoon, like like Dino Park Tycoon was big in the roller coaster lab. tycoon. Roller dude. coaster tycoon was sweet. Yeah, yeah. you guys have great. to look at uh, City Skylines now. That's like the new age uh, Sim City, and it is Ooh. very cool. It's right. uh, oh, JP. You would love this game. Is it on like a, a computer or do you, I? Can, Both. I remember Sim, Sim City like came out on like PlayStation and stuff, and it was like, you think I'm gonna be able to like. No, <laughs> place a building with a joystick like this, like exactly. Oh, you can hey, a mouse, <laughs> right? Yeah, Sim Sim City is a game uh, between gym and Spanish class that is, <laughs> on a computer <laughs> that is not in your home. <laughs> it's still fun. If, if you still fuck with Sim City, I'm I'm not calling you childish or anything. I just the the setting for that game for me was always a. Uh, elementary school middle school computer lab and i just don't know that, that on a console on a giant screen it would hit the same for me <laughs> i wonder if like uh any of our listeners have ever like i mean it'd be so fun to rebuild corvallis in sim city oh i would love to dude you have to get city skylines i'm telling so you that's okay. how you do it uh, you you definitely would be able to rebuild corvallis and city skylines i want to do that Kind yeah. of wild because it is. It's time for a new ad, ad read. This uh, episode of the Belligerent Beefs podcast is brought to you by City Skylines. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they didn't ask us to start talking about this. They just did. Uh, well, Bob Newby was a ghost at some point, uh, so he had to have died, and it was probably JP's fault. Uh, so RIP, <laughs> Bob Newby. Uh, a heartbreaking death that was not <laughs> JP's fault. Is we have to talk about this. Uh, a few days ago, the rapper mentioned mm. on. Uh, this pod several times uh five seconds of his biggest hit has played several times uh artist leon ivy jr also known as coolio uh passed away a few days ago and man this one this one really hurt uh obviously gangsta's paradise is a big one uh jp please play five seconds of gangsta's paradise maybe this maybe we'll just have to play that every episode now uh and mm. until we get sued by Coolio's estate, uh, but so many bangers. Uh, I, a couple years ago, I remember sometime uh, Coolio got mentioned by somebody I know as a one-hit wonder, and I legitimately lost my temper and <laughs> brought up all of the other dope songs Coolio has. Rolling with my, the home, rolling with the homies. Shout out Clueless, great soundtrack. Uh, so many more. Fantastic voyage. Something new. Uh, but yeah, this one hit. This one hit me in the feels, gentlemen. It really did. Yeah, I remember because um, uh, Gangsta's Paradise came out in 93, if I remember right. And Something my like parents that. were definitely not letting me buy uh, a Coolio album when I was, what, seven? Um, but I remember shortly thereafter renting the movie Dangerous Minds just so I could listen to the song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's how you know it's a good song when you're watching yeah. like a two hour movie. Just to uh, find the one part just, where it's just, just 36 <laughs> seconds of the song. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, lost, He's a lost, lost a legend. And also, uh, he was one of several rappers on Hit Him High from the Space Jam 
uh, soundtrack, which I mm. tweeted about because that song is such a fucking banger. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, you can go to the Space Jam soundtrack on Spotify, and that song is listed, but I, Spotify like doesn't have the license for the song or whatever because you can't listen to it on Spotify. Half of half of it you can't like on oh, really? any streaming service. Yeah, it's like somebody clamped down on that. Okay. And says yeah. no streaming allowed. Coolio mm-hmm. has a great. I think I believe it's the opening verse on Hit 'Em High. Uh, the Monstars anthem. Love, love villains. Uh, so R.I.P. Coolio. Um, no matter what drinks we have here, upcoming in the beer segment, uh, we're pouring out a little bit for you. And yeah, maybe maybe there'll be a tribute at the at the next Oregon State home game uh, on October fifteenth because I asked Sarah Elcano to, to to do one, and she said maybe. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was more kidding, Sarah. But hey, if you can work in a little Coolio tribute into the the game ops for Beaver football, I think Coolio would really appreciate that. And also, the fact that it's would. not as timely like now because. It'll be like three weeks after we would have, we, would, we would have played two full games and three weeks would have passed, but still, yeah. it, so it will always it. be ty- timely to honor the career of uh, of Coolio. I feel like there should be like a, a mandatory time of the week every every week where everyone simultaneously plays Coolio songs at, in their at their homes or in their cars, and you just hear Coolio reverberating through the atmosphere perhaps gangsters paradise from yesterday i think <laughs> perhaps gangsters paradise could be the official song of the belligerence hour oh Ooh, that's a weekly yeah. time that occurs every week that everyone around the world acknowledges and celebrates <laughs> yeah. and partakes in no one would get sick of that the belligerence hour <laughs> 4 4 p.m pacific time every friday <laughs> I, you could listen to Gangsta's Paradise once a week for the rest of your life and probably for not sure. get sick of it. Yeah, I agree. Should it, there's only one way to find out. I will journal this experience and report back <laughs> on my deathbed. It'll be, yeah. We'll chronicle it on the dive. Check out the on dive. On the dive, yeah. <laughs> the dive, for sure. All right. Uh, well, we need to keep moving this episode right along, and we got a lot to unpack with Oregon State football's 42-16 to 16 defeat in Salt Lake City uh, yesterday. Um, but we got, uh, got some beers to get through first and, uh, I currently don't have one in front of me. So <laughs> as we were discussing a little bit before the show, I've, I'm nursing two hangovers at the moment, but <laughs> I think I might, I might get up off, uh, off the mat during this segment. So, uh, JP, can I start with you tonight or would you like to not go first again? I'll go first. I'll go okay. first. I am drinking a. Let me look at look up a little bit more of this. This is a Southern Grist Brewing Company, Southern Grist, and they they're located in Nashville. Um, I've never had any of their beers before, so this one's my first. But I got it from Tavor. Shout out Tavor, home delivery beer, home delivery. These are the ones that you and uh, Terry, you and Benny unpacked. So. Oh thank yeah! You. Thank you for making sure that my beers were nice and chilled for me today. Weeks later, You're welcome. But this one I had to pick today. I it's uh, it felt too right, and maybe we'll talk about it more in, during the football segment. But uh, it's called Feasible Alternatives because I'm still waiting for one, and maybe we'll figure out what that means in a little bit. But mm. the beer's all right. Mm. I wouldn't give it a four, but it's a three point nine. I think uh, a feasible alternative 
to uh, let's just pick something random. This is this this is just totally off the top of the head, but a feasible alternative to the red zone offense. I think one feasible <laughs> alternative would be to score touchdowns and not field goals. Hmm. Now, yeah, I know how we get a little radical on this show. I'll I'll write it back. Uh, but that's the first feasible alternative that pops in my head. Uh, great, great to yep. know, great to know. And shout out Nashville. Yeah, shout out Nashville. Yeah, I've never uh, been. But me neither. Beer. That surprises me. It's belligerent Beeves weekend in in Nashville. We'll do. A, I'm sure we we'd fill a live show there for sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Go go Commodores. Uh, Benny. Yeah. Um, so I and I I want to stress this. I don't take edibles a whole lot anymore, but I take them for this show for the uh, the the listeners that we have. Um, so I'll be hanging out with Bob Newby here in a second. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I just took tell it. him I'm sorry. I, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll let him know uh, that he's uh, JP is really sorry for killing you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I just took it. So the episode's about to get real fun here in about 45 minutes or an hour or two. I don't know. We'll see. It's already very fun. Yeah. I, Betty mentioned I should get on the edible train, uh, and I don't know if I am. I am going to drink less though, especially after this weekend. Uh, the the cool event I got to go to this weekend was I saw Tom Segura on Ooh. Friday night and he's amazing. I've never seen him live before, but one of my favorite comedians. Uh, and he's doing Sober October, and I guess does it every year. And just you know, one month I think of total sobriety uh, does do a lot just for the body and the mind. Uh, I'm not doing it during football season, <laughs> for <laughs> but I'm, I might, you know, we'll see. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, more, more Pelly and less, less drinky this week. Um, yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, how was the show? Tom Segura. It was, it was amazing. Great. It was, I yeah. saw. So uh, my friend, uh, he and his wife were going to go. And then last minute, his wife couldn't. So he asked me if I'd like to go. So I lucked out and uh, got the invite. But it was at uh, Mystic Lake Casino <laughs> here in Minnesota, which is about it's like forty-five minutes out of town. Uh, <laughs> but to say, they have like there's the theater there is pretty big, and it's a pretty big casino. The only time I've ever been uh, has been was it was a stop on a party bus, a friend's bachelor party, like six years ago. Uh, and I, I kind of like drinking at casinos. Uh, I'm not a big gambler, but the the people watching is is fantastic. And uh, Segura, I you know, there's a lot of material to unpack for a comedian, and I'll I'll let you know that Segura's uh, casino jokes do not disappoint. He <laughs> <laughs> was good. Nice. Check out Tom Segura if uh, if you haven't yet. Um, so uh, with that in mind, a uh, very fun le- weekend has led to uh, my beer being not much of a beer, but more of the uh, coconut water variety wow. from Vita Coco, uh, whose coconuts are carefully handpicked on thousands of small farms throughout the tropics. Uh, see how we partner with our farming communities at VitaCoco.com. And uh, it is amazing. It's wonderful. It has nursed me back to the point where I now feel good enough to crack this pragmatic Pilsner <laughs> from Prize Brewing Company. Uh, it's spelled different, but we've got our eyes on the prize. And I think if we can just keep going through this season pragmatically, what's gotten to us po- this point, Benny kind of tweeted about this after the game. Let's just, we can't have anyone freak out. 
the way <laughs> Smith has gotten us to this point of a program, uh, so many good things are happening. So let's just keep that in perspective. Uh, this was the toughest two weeks in the schedule. It always was going, going to be, I would have loved to have picked up one of those two wins, but whatever, we're fucking three and two. Let's just keep on moving. Keep riding the wave. Uh, we've, there's questions abound about what happens next. And we'll try to answer these, some of them not, we'll, we'll actually be able to answer none of them, but we'll speculate <laughs> yeah. on what those answers might be. Uh, do you, if you come to this podcast for actual answers, um, then, then I don't know what to tell you. Hey, we uh, don't judge. If you want to take we our don't answers, judge. we don't yeah. judge. Yeah, that we're we're fairly intelligent, fairly young men. Uh, but anyway, uh, to Coolio and to Jonathan Smith and to uh, go going three and three more wins before the bye. That's six and two at the bye. That's there what you I'm go. Well, now that uh, Ben has gotten up and left his chair, it seems like a good time to <laughs> really kick this thing off. <laughs> we got you back. Um, but, yeah, so Oregon State goes into Salt Lake City uh, playing Utah, uh, who is ranked number 12 in the country going into it. Back-to-back games against uh, probably the, the, the two, I'd say, most uh, nationally recognized favorites in the conference. And just uh, a, a tough, tough day, but just sort of overall um, – Want to get your thoughts? Uh, we've obviously talked about this a lot. Uh, Beaver Twitter kind of freaked out a bit. Uh, a lot happened in this game, um, and Benny's chewing on something. So JP, I want to get your thoughts. More edible, first. Benny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a sandwich form. Nice. <laughs> oh man, it was definitely like a heartbreaking game, and I think really where it, it fell apart obviously was after after half because there was a lot of. I mean, honestly, there was a lot of optimism, not just amongst us, but uh, other fans and, and the Beaver fam. You could see the players were starting to feel like, okay, we're settling down, taking a breath. It's our first big, you know, road test. That's a conference road test of the season, and it's going to be probably the hardest one we have. So. <laughs> We've got some of the jitters out. Let's get after it. And, and it felt like they were kind of going that way. And half was like, oh, all right. Like, like we're, we're kind of lucky to be in this. So let's see what happens now. And the wheels, like, just then completely fell off after that point. Right. Even though I felt like after every score, because of – this is, I think, maybe just, like, the, the rose-colored lenses I was wearing. But, like, it felt like after every Utah score that we still had a chance of a rebuttal. Mm-hmm. And that we, because we had done it, and we had done it in ways that we had talked about making us successful: running the ball, doing some misdirection, trick plays, getting your explosive players involved on offense, making it easy on your quarterbacks. Like really, just like the main points that we had talked about. If they could just continue to do those things, we'll hopefully make it a game. Um, and then when we did those things, we did make it a game. And so that's where I think I'm saying it was heartbreaking, is because. There, there felt like a, there was a path you could chart to win that game. The, it, it felt mm-hmm. very winnable Definitely. until it was like you look up and you're like, "Whoa, it's actually totally out of reach now." Right. So I, it, it sucked to watch. To be honest, it was like maybe me personally one of the first times I felt like completely disinterested in finishing out the game. Right. Yeah. And it's, it has been that way. It hasn't been that way in a long time. Cause usually I'm like, well, we're already going to lose. So right. I just want to see what kind of happens, like what kind of storylines develop. But this time I really was like, what am I watching? Yeah. And that agreed was a really the, the, 
Gulbranson's first interception when we were marching to respond when it was 28-16. I think that was just sort of the moment the wheels fell off. Because you're right, we did. Yep. We had a good, we had a strong answer to sort of every punch that Utah threw. Uh, you know, they scored right away after the first interception. Then we marched right down the field uh, with the, the Bolden touchdown, equalized it. Um, 21, we're down 21 13 and a half. We stop them, we march, field goal. And then they, they 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 scored. I think that was really one of the. There's only two times where like Rising had a great game. Don't get me wrong, and Utah's a phenomenal football team, uh, but they really only marched down the field twice. I think like our defense for sure kept us in that game. And I'm glad that Yogi mentioned it on the broadcast that the, the score of the game definitely really didn't indicate the flow of the game or how like how close it really was. Doesn't really seem fair and kind of seems like you know like loser excuse talk but yogi's a neutral observer so it counts um but yeah it was just that moment where it was just like you you can you can tread water by kicking field goals and not touchdowns for a bit and i think deciding to kick whenever we kicked instead of going for it was always the right choice that smith made uh but yeah it was that that first touchdown in the end zone and a 70 yard yard return on it too like that was just that's a backbreaker not our day yeah I I mean, so I one stat that I want to point out, or I, I should say too, Oregon State uh, had more passing yards and they had more rushing yards than Utah, right? So total yards, Oregon State had 417 and Utah had 361. Now, some of that is because we were giving Utah incredible field position and we were not getting that. Um, but the other part of it, and I think they talked about it in the broadcast, is Oregon State's getting whatever they wanted and we were getting whatever we wanted. Um, I think that we, there were a number of components of our offense that were working, but, um, and when we saw a very similar thing in against USC, where it's like, everything's like a well-oiled machine. And then you throw an interception in the end zone, or you throw an interception in while we're marching down in um, you know, a, a, attacking position. And those are, I think, um, obviously it, it turns the tide of the actual game, but it is such a morale killer. Um, yeah. and I think you saw that when, again, when Goldbranson threw the pick in the end zone, they return it for 70 yards. It looked like it was going to be a 108 yard return for a touchdown for, uh, for a second. Um, but uh, like you, you saw the defense come out and they just didn't have that same intensity that you saw in the first half. And, um, I, I will say like, this was the best defensive performance I've ever seen from a team that gave up 42 points. I mean, they, and you, and I do think it's important to remember like three of three out of our last four games were against quarterbacks that very, very uh, easily and, and probably are going to be playing on Sunday. So, I mean, these were, these were three huge tests for our secondary. Um, I don't, I don't think I would say that they, I mean, they, they passed the test to a certain extent. I think they played well, um, but they were just put in positions that were, you just couldn't, it was tough for them. Right. And three, one was a pick six that obviously the defense had nothing to do with. And then two of the other interceptions were returned to the 25, which led to a touchdown and the 30, which led to a touchdown. Uh, So, you know, uh, obviously I know you were giving the defense a lot of credit there, but that was just, you know, obviously when the AP voters, uh, I guess they have looked at the box score and then made a decision right away. I'm, I'm sure we didn't get the amount of respect that I think this team has earned, but that's why we talk shit about the AP poll and not our defense. Um, 
So yeah, just frustrating. I think on that, I think when a dude like Clark Phillips, who we knew was good coming into this game, picks you off twice in the first quarter, I know you just can't not throw at him entirely. Like I know that is ridiculous sort of statement. Kind of, but not really. But not not totally, you know? Yeah. Like it's I know he's a dynamic defender. Uh you can't just be like, "Oh, like well, we're not going to th- we're just going to ignore whatever part of the field or whatever player he chooses to focus on. But the next two interceptions were both directed at him. Uh, the, the first one that Branson threw was inter- intercepted by KJ Hubert, but <laughs> it, Phillips was in coverage and right. had perfect coverage. Like he probably would have gotten the pick if Hubert didn't get to it first. And then the fourth and final one of the day was uh, picked by, by Phillips uh, in the end zone as well and had great coverage. So uh, I, I don't have like, and offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren, who we will assuredly talk about, has taken a lot of heat <laughs> on Twitter. And, I, you know, I think he deserves it that when you're a play caller, you open yourself up to that. That's part of the job. Uh, I'm still I'm still a fan of Lindgren. I don't think it was his best game ever, but it was this kind of like by by the fourth pick, it was like. <laughs> Like it seemed like we just weren't even considering that Clark Phillips plays football and is good at it. And it's like, how many times does this dude need to pick pick us off before we adjust to what he's doing on the defense? It was it was wild to me. Yeah, I completely agree, and um, and we can get into this more so later on. But the more that I thought about the game, um, and I I know I was joking about Lindgren to you guys earlier, but the more I think about the game. I, I don't know how much was his fault. Now, some of it certainly was right. uh, the play calling in the red zone questionable at best. Um, but like I saw people getting pissed off at Lindgren. Um, I think it was uh, the the drive after uh, Goldbranson threw the pick um, where uh, we we ended up with the field goal, I think. But um, but it was uh, where I think it was uh, Harrison had dropped the ball where if he would have caught it, it would have been, um, you know, to the house. Right. And, it, it, and it was a poorly thrown ball, but one that that Harrison really should have had. And it's like you you can't scheme when you're when your quarterback's not hitting your receivers and I, and the receivers didn't have a problem dropping that particular one he did drop right. but the the quarterback play um i think we're all here not to dog on any of the players they're student no, athletes they're they're 18 to 22 year old kids but i think we can fairly say our quarterback play has been atrocious in the last two games and and that's you how are you gonna uh come up with plays if your quarterback can't connect with your receivers right and i think this happened in the first half but it was brought up on our halftime spaces there was a, a play close to uh halftime where go branson had Anthony Gould for a surefire touchdown. Yep. Uh, and just, I think he was target. He like threw it. Harrison was in double coverage, ended up throwing it out of bounds. But if he obviously didn't go through all of the progressions there and Lindgren can't throw the ball. <laughs> so the, the scheme there worked. And I, I agree. The play calling was seemed to be humming for every drive. We're moving the ball between the twenties. We were great. And it was like, and then maybe that even affected the players to some extent too, because it was like, oh, we got to the ten, and then it was just like, ooh, like we we just like we couldn't figure out how to get into the end zone, and even like <laughs> we didn't get much closer than the ten. It wasn't there was a couple times where like Fenwick was got five and like needed seven to hit Pater, but most of it was incompletions or some 
misdirection or or run that got ate up at the line of scrimmage at best. Like we were, they knew exactly what we were going to do in the red zone. Sometimes I feel like though, what the problem with Lindgren that I have uh, these last two games is like, I, I feel like he's running this offense. Like he's playing an RPG. Like he, he's trying to like level up these players and put them in situations like, well, sure. They're the odds are they're not going to you know mess this one up again. So let's, let's try it again. And then they'll get their confidence up and maybe they'll, They'll like have some real game experience that, to lean on. So when they when I need them to execute this play, in like meaningful minutes later, it'll work. And he just keeps kind of going that route instead of like looking at what is in front of him and saying, "This stuff's not working." Like, like why are we throwing our first down and goal? Like, like it's not working. And it didn't work. We like we've thrown picks in the end zone. And so I don't I I don't want to pile on him because I do think he is a great offensive coordinator. But I think that these last two games especially have shown me as a fan, first and foremost, that he gets stuck in his way more than he likes to try to adapt to the personnel and, and to the situation. And I I think when you have a consistent team, which is what Jonathan Smith brings to the table, he brings consistency and a calm factor that lets everyone execute their role the way they're supposed to, whether they're a player, a coach, or anything involved with the program. But when things go haywire, you need to adapt. You, like, you have to adapt. And I have yet to see that from him. And now it's getting more glaring because the, the, uh, the outcome is much more problematic. Um, it's not just like a, well, we were going to lose this anyways. It's a, oh, we had, we, we could have had USC at home or we, you know, we blew it to start the game, uh, or even start the comeback right. against Utah. So I need to see more from him. I need to see him put players in successful places like that's and, and make them successful, not make him successful, not make his play calling successful, make the players successful, use them the right way. I mean, We've seen the players that are successful, and they weren't. We could talk about this now if you want. We could wait, but like, where's Jack Coletto? Right. Why are we not running the ball with him? I don't care if it's first and goal from the eight. Run it with him three times. Like, well, especially I, like, when we got the, it was like the fourth time we were down there. It was like, all right, we've been struggling with this all game. He had one so, rush. He had one and, rush. Yeah. And you know what? I, I'll have to. I'll hand it to Lindgren because. I did say I did call for more creativity. And I said we we have to mm-hmm. do more than some of this boring offense. It just doesn't work right now for us, and our team seems to be too predictable. And we did run some good plays. We saw some really exciting outcomes. We we also saw the players and the fans get juiced about it too. I mean, the Coletto pass, whether that right. was Plan B or not, like on that play call, like at least he had that escape hatch and and he made the throw. It worked. That was great. Right. Uh, and same with the the end around from Bolden, like, but what? But like, that's fun to have Coletto involved in that kind of play. But when we actually know the things that he could do really well, and we needed it at that point, and we didn't use him at all, like, I just that blows my mind. And so I, I brought it up again last week. I said, is something up with Jack Coletto? Is it like why is he not getting snaps on the offensive side of the ball, right. especially yeah. in crucial points that he used to be lights out. And he probably would still be lights out for all I know, but maybe right. there's and something else lingering. It was like it, and this is part of the reason it was such a frustrating game because we saw a lot of that creativity, 
uh, my favorite play of the day, the wide receiver reverse pass to from Tyjon to Gulbranson. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, well, Gulbranson's, Gulbranson made a nifty little move too, a uh, gain of 27 uh, to the eight or seven yard line. And it was that, I think the next pass or the, the yeah. very next play was that, that pick. And we we're down 28, 16. If Gulbranson runs over the guy and is scoring on that play, you have a very different ball game. All right, we we at least feel a lot better. Um, so, real quick, you you match that up with also Har- was it Harrison that got uh, chased down and tackled yeah. on the five when he right. yeah. So those two sh- should have been touchdowns, really. Like the Harrison one definitely should have. Right. Um, but also, it's just <laughs> Coletto. Even on, we've kind of been asking for this. It's like it doesn't need to be third and one, fourth and one to get right. him the ball. Uh, I, like the Jack Coletto's fast recurring bit that we have. It's like, <laughs> it's a high percentage play. If you're first in goal from the seven, you know that he's going to not get thrown for a loss and right. not turn the ball over. Yeah. The worst case scenario is second down. And like, a, not, that knock was on a wood, best case scenario, <laughs> which would have been best case scenario <laughs> in a lot of senses. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also like, I'm glad that he, he threw the ball um that i want like just getting him that that game confidence i'm sure that he does it all the time in practice uh so yeah i think part of it was the sort of the demands like i think you can put part of this on lindgren and i think a big part of it is i i think utah's just really good and yeah being ham staff that they they had the right game plan and where i feel like we sort of bailed out usc i, I feel like you know utah really did uh really did pick take take it to us a bit and earned earned this win well i think it was a combination of both right like um i mean we i think we gifted it to them in the sense that so like we talk about lingren we talk about his lack of innovation or uh, originality in the red zone but i really do think that going back to the quarterbacks when your quarterbacks have thrown four collective interceptions and we threw four interceptions last week if I'm the defensive coordinator of Utah, I'm stacking the box. And that's exactly what he did. And that's why we saw Fenwick and Martinez and Jam getting absolutely destroyed at the line of scrimmage when we're in the red zone is because Utah is putting eight guys in the box, right? And you can't run against that. But what else are you going to like? So you have to pass and you have quarterbacks that are, um, for whatever reason, uh, their, you know, their, uh, confidence is at least for Nolan, his confidence is shook. And then go Branson. I mean, uh, at number 12, Utah, where you're getting your first meaningful snaps in college football, that that's a tough right. position to put somebody in. Totally. Um, and so I, I really do think that what it all comes back to is either Gold Branson needs to be the starting quarterback or chance needs to figure it out. Um, and, and I think we've all cheered on chance on, on this podcast. And I, I still do have confidence in chance. We've seen what he's been able to do. Uh, I think that we can all recognize that it, this is really a confidence thing and not a talent thing. He showed us that he has the long ball now and he has that accuracy. So he needs to get his head in the game. And if he can get his confidence back, this this offense is going to be one of the best in the Pac-12. But if he can't, we're going to settle for field goals in the red zone. Like it's as right. simple as that, I think. And I I think that until he can show or Gold Branson can show that they're a Pac-12 caliber quarterback, you're going to have teams that are just going to stack the box when we get into the red zone. I don't and I don't think it's fair even to throw Gold Branson into this conversation because Agreed. like 
Like the guy wasn't expecting to to be the number one guy this year, and honestly, in his mind, he probably thought I should be probably three, right? If Jebbio was actually healthy, could play, he's he's a surefire two, if not maybe even challenging the one. Um, so I I feel like throwing him to the wolves like they had to do uh, doesn't really reflect on like what kind of quarterback he can be. I know people are like, oh, he's not going to help us. Like, move on. Who's next? And I I don't, I don't buy that at all. Uh, I saw a lot of that chatter online uh, on both Agreed. You know, on both Instagram and, and Twitter. Uh, my my fear with Chance is this: is that uh, there were two things that we talked about with Yogi that he improved that he thinks he improved on a lot this offseason, and it was his mechanics for the deep ball, and it was between the ears, right? And we talked about that before the season, saying the noise. He's gotten used to. He's gone through it. He's he's experienced it. This shouldn't be anything new to him this year. So if there's expectations, if there's chatter, whatever it might be that comes his way that he hears or sees or reads, is nothing new because he already dealt with that last year and he should have something, you know, in his head to understand how to deal with that. Um, and that was reinforced by Yogi saying that a lot has improved with how you know he is mentally, um, but. It, Here's where I'm most worried. I I hope the injury for one is okay. I hope that his neck strain. It, I mean, it sounded like a cop out substitution injury, but like then we saw the replay and the replay, you're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, like my neck would be sore for about the next ten years of my life. So I'm not <laughs> arguing at all that that shouldn't have been the cause to to miss uh, a half of a game, yeah. but. Bob well, Newby had that same neck strain as a 67-year-old, and he died. <laughs> but, like, let's say Chance comes back, and he's, and he's clear to play, he's healthy, and he's good to go against Stanford. And, like, this is a big game at Stanford because we, like I said, Stanford, the, the farm is nightmare fuel for us. And, like, it, we, we just, for whatever reason, like, it, maybe it's too quiet at Stanford Stadium. I don't know, but we just can't get a win there easily uh right. and we and, and when, even when we had our some of our best teams we've never been able to do it um and i know stanford a lot has been a very quality opponent and they're not that way now we're 10 and a half point favorites to open the week uh which is pretty much what utah was with us to open as well so you know at, compare it how you'd like uh but what i'm worried about with chance is this like he comes back healthy and the it it's a chicken or the egg then at this point. Like if it is the mental uh, and he just can't get over like, man, I just don't want to screw up again. But also I can't play the way I was last year because defenses have figured me out. I need that deep ball to add an element to my game to make me a more successful quarterback, to make my running backs better, to make our offense better. Uh, and if he can't, if the mental side of it is because he can't execute the mechanics to get the deep ball out, that's where I'm thinking he's like, I just am like this, like, I don't know, like like uncoordinated swan trying to like throw a deep ball <laughs> and forgetting how to do it, and it's just it's just like you know compounding on itself. Uh, so I I really wanted to see one two different tracks of him improve. I want to see him. Don't worry about the deep ball. Don't worry about that added element to your game. Just execute the smart play and make the right read, and then let that build your confidence back. But that also again goes back to me with Lingren. Like he needs to call those right. plays and not ask Chance to throw thirty yards on field. Like just let yeah. him throw some easy passes. Feel like he's got his arm motion feeling good, and 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 let it run from there. But this this week is 
huge, huge, huge. Yep. And if we lose at Stanford, depending on the outcome, of course, it's going to be an all-out riot by yeah. the Beaver fam, and it's not going to look pretty. Right. No, it, and and I completely agree with you. I think that what it comes down to, like the the coaches have to figure out a way to instill that confidence back into chance. And it's not just by sitting them down and saying, "Hey, man, you're our guy, and we trust you." Uh, with what you said is completely right. Like dink and dunk it. If you dink, being a dink and dunk quarterback and also being able to scramble fairly well, uh, th there's not you know that that's not the worst case scenario. That's a pretty good place to be. So the coaches have have to figure out a way to instill that confidence back into chance because Smith already said chances are guy going forward. This is not a benching. He is our guy going forward. And you look at five out of our next six games with the uh, road game at Washington being the outlier, like we are significantly better than these teams. Um, it maybe with the exception of Wazoo, but like we should win all of these games, the Wazoo games at home. So um, you, you have to figure out a way to instill confidence in a quarterback that has lost seemingly all of it. Um, and, and also not drop games. You, you yeah. can't, like that's, I think that's where my frustration lied in the first half. Um, and I, I saw a lot with the chatter on Twitter was we love chance and we're all about like getting these kids, um, you know, the, the chances that they deserve and, and showing trust in these kids, but Oregon state's not the Oregon state of 2018 or 2019, right? Like this is a team that should be competing for a PAC 12 championship. And you can't allow one player to cost you that when you are trying to, you know, show some sort of life um, example, you know, in, in terms of trust. So right. it's, it's a tough position for Smith and Lindgren to be in, but uh, that's why they get paid the big bucks and, and they need to figure it out. A lot of the chatter on Twitter really reminded me of 06. And one of our followers, uh, shout out uh, Noel Bosco on Twitter, uh, mentioned in 06 when Matt Moore got booed at Reeser uh, and everyone was calling for Canfield and everyone was booing Matt Moore and there was that I think that was when they had red shirt players like sitting in the student section which <laughs> never should have been okay let, let your red shirt players on on the bench with the team <laughs> that they're that they're a part of um and uh, I never booed Matt. Just putting that out there. We're we're big fans of Matt Moore on this podcast. Damn right. Um, and then I remember. I know Chance didn't get booed by the crowd, and this is a road loss that we're coming off of. But I remember after uh, I believe we got blown out by Cal and or had and a close loss to Wazoo, and then the team went on the road, had a win at Washington and a win at Arizona, and then the next home game was the upset over number three USC, and Matt was of course the quarterback the rest of the way. So I do think Stanford for that complete, the quietest haunted house of horrors in, <laughs> in the world. Uh, I think it's a perfect opponent and a perfect opportunity. Uh, I, if, if chance is healthy, he's who I'm starting next week. Totally. Um, yep. I, I don't, after seeing the replay, I, I did not think it was a cop out. I didn't think there was any chance that Cole Branson was going to come in. Like even if chance threw another four interceptions, uh, just because it puts him in a tough situation, opening up a, co a quarterback controversy is difficult for your team. So I hope to see Chance out there uh, next week, and I'm hoping for a similar narrative to uh, Matt Moore in 06. You know, he's a veteran, he's a leader, he's been through a lot, and uh, 
I think Benny, I love you, the strategy of Dink and Dunk, and I don't even. I think Dink and Dunking is like kind of underselling it a little bit because that is a, it's a really effective offense, and we have guys like yeah. Harrison, Gould, Bolden, Lindsey. We who knows if we have Luke Musgrave again, but all four of the guys I just mentioned are awesome with the ball in their hands. Exactly. Yep. Anytime we do a wide receiver screen to Harrison, it seems like magic happens. So why and are that, we throwing downfield? Why are, I, that, that's what blows my right. mind. I know you can't just sit back and like right, and you got to keep the defense honest yeah. and things like that. But it, it also seems like like we're not scheming for for these guys. Like having them do like you know shorter routes, like oh like sort of classic West Coast offense with it. Like <laughs> Joe Montana won three Super Bowls for the Niners off of that shit. Hell you yeah! Have, you have Jerry Jerry Rice, Dwight Clark, get and John him the Taylor. Ball. Let him yeah, run. Get him the ball, smart smart passes, move quick, uh, keep the defense guessing, and keep them honest. Um, so yeah, I I am a big fan of that strategy. Get just get him in a in a rhythm because you know once you throw throw a couple touchdown passes, then and they get that positive momentum going. Um, I think we'll we'll see we'll see him start to roll again. Uh, so yeah, I chances my starting quarterback as long as he's healthy next week. The one other thing I say I'll say is we really are missing. The presence of Luke Musgrave huge Completely. on this team. No tight end receptions uh, in this game, uh, so it doesn't look like Lindgren has placed the same faith in either Overman or or Velling. Uh, I'd like to see them try and get more involved, but obviously I don't know enough about how they look in practice or performances, whatever. But if Musgrave can't come back, uh, we need to see those guys at least game plan, a bigger part of the game plan, and at least give them that opportunity to try and fill those big shoes. Yeah, completely. It's um, it's one of those things where like it feels like it's going to take one game for us to get back on track. And Terry, I, I think that you're right where a road game against um a team that we should beat is uh and and a team that has had our number at home so not only you know talent wise we should beat this team it's on the road so you're not going to have the added pressure i think a home game for chance would be really tough right now um but also you you can sort of like you know notch one on the bedpost of hey we we struggle here and we were able to come through and um and win this game where a lot of oregon state teams from the past haven't right so yeah it's a good opportunity for sure right and we've talked a lot about those small firsts on this uh you know podcast you know like first right. first three and zero start uh first you know several things so winning at stanford just another big you know notch on the post as you mentioned uh for yep. for jonathan smith to put to bed so I love that we're opening up as double-digit favorites. Uh, doesn't put me at ease. And uh, yeah, 10 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. JP will be there. I'll be 8 there. 8 p.m. Local Time. Yeah, so if you need to be put at ease, come just find me at the game, pregame, whatever. I think I'm section 126, which is the you know the the visitor section at Stanford Stadium. So Can't you just sort of walk to wherever you want to watch the game from? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fairly open. But if you want to come hang, find me. If you're going to be there, please come say what's up. It's it's uh it's fun to meet the listeners, especially on a road game. It'd be really cool. Hey, sure. question question for you. Uh, why do they call Stanford the farm? I don't know because it probably was built on a farm. Oh. <laughs> I've always wondered. Yeah, I actually don't don't know that either. Yeah. Well, well, I'm not a Stanford fan just because I live near it. Yeah, but yeah, you grew up near it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Should we look at? You're a UCLA fan growing up. And yeah. 
Jimbo's Bruins are five and zero. Uh, they're humming. Yeah. So supposedly, uh, so why isn't it in the farm? So yeah, Mr. Stanford was fond of horses and as such owned a vast amount of land. So the whole area is all really well developed and like right. Like it, it, the fact that you're in Palo Alto, you wouldn't even realize it when you're on Stanford's campus if you haven't been there. Like it's it's mm. almost like a mirage. It's it's the right. inverse of what Corvallis is. <laughs> <laughs> the surrounding area because all of a sudden you're like why are there like eucalyptus groves and like open fields in the middle of Palo Alto <laughs> because Mr. Stanford was fond of horses I knew it was going to be something stupid like that yeah <laughs> like, like so yeah, yeah. It, had, like, it was essentially a farm Got that it. he also put a university on yeah and then they probably beat Yale like eight to six in eighteen eighty two, and some someone dumb historic thing. Yeah, someone stole Yale rode back on Stanford's horses. So then they had to go to Yale, and that's when they won six to two. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have never heard of this story before. This is like lore in the Bay Area. Yeah. Right. It's it's a, it's a historical podcast now. Uh, but yeah, so this Saturday at Stanford, JP will be at Stanford. How long are you going to be in the Bay? I don't know, like three days. Okay. Mm. Sweet. If you're in the Bay Area and you're going to the game, hit us up and you will get to meet JP Bertram, who will have stickers. The <laughs> like most a clown. Exci- the most exciting <laughs> day of your lives. <laughs> And we'll also beat Stanford, so I think it's a good time to bring in pre- predictions. Oregon State wins forty to ten. Oh damn! Forty to wow. ten. And then we wow. go in. Chance goes into standing O at Reeser on October fifteenth against the Cougs as Gangsta's Paradise plays on a loop for the entire game, thanks to Sarah Elcano, our dear, <laughs> our dear friend in the athletic department. <laughs> Uh, 42 to 17, Oregon State wins. Wow. All right. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to join you guys. So I like reading my notes because my notes from my prediction episode are kind of funny. But then I wrote, well, first, this is our first trip to Stanford Stadium since 2018. Oh, it's been weird. a while. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird. Being that we were both Pac 12 North, you know, while that existed. Yeah. Um, but I put stupid tree, no student support, bunch of nerds <laughs> pretending to like football. And I've seen five straight losses in Palo Alto. This is the year it changes. But then this is where it gets weird. This is the Bob Newbie part of the episode. Nolan returns at near full health, I say. Beeves roll. Six-game losing streak at Stanford Stadium. Snapped a touchdown shy of the full Weehage, 35-14. to If we win by that score... I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. We also nice. won at Stanford during that 06 season. So... There we go. Just mm. throwing that out there. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's also the school that, if I'm not mistaken, is sort of what uh, Chopham derived from because you chop down trees. True. Did you guys right. see the duck Maybe. tweet that today or yesterday? Oh, I guess the, the mor- midnight. What do they tweet? Somebody somebody sent it to us. I got to find out who it was. But somebody, shout out listener. I'm sorry if I don't remember and can't find you. But Was uh, it a DM? Or were you tagged? Uh, I think we were tagged, and they essentially was the duck saying something about like this is what it's like to get chopped to the Dude. tree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Not it cool, was Oregon. it was it was B fan ninety five. There you go. Yeah, the duck 
chopped the tree down and said you've been chopped and yeah. uh shout out beef beef at beef underscore fan underscore in underscore ne beef so beef fan in nebraska <laughs> shout out uh imitation is the most sincere form of flattery dot 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 at bellage beefs yep not our only good tag of the weekend uh we were tagged in a, a french tweet yeah shout out friends. like the uh beavers Beaver fans in France, whatever it is. Y'all, y'all thought we were just calling it Paris of the Pacific Northwest to, to be funny. It really beef, is. Beef, beef fan in France had a great tweet right after the Fresno State game. He's <laughs> like, I think I woke up my whole family. It's 7 a.m. here. So we're, we're all over the place. Of course, yeah. yeah I'm, just, so. I'm just hanging in Minneapolis here with Rudy Gobert. We talk Oregon State football every day. Best trade in NBA history. Oh, Book God. it. Hey, you <laughs> we're guys, talking about that. I know we don't want to go all um, conspiracy episode yet. That'll happen maybe another time. But did you guys see our friend Warren Gray tweeted at us about uh, the OSU Alumni Association had like a booth or a table set up? And there's a picture that somebody they're holding that somebody must have drawn of Benny and Bernice. Oh, yeah. And the baby beaver. What? Yeah. We'll have Do to we solve that one. new branding? I don't know. Not the new branding like we saw on the set. It's like, it's like the American Gothic <laughs> painting, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But like, but uh, still, it's a, it's a, it's a Bernice sighting kind of, and it's right. also a, a baby beaver. What are we alluding to here? But I don't know. Is it alluding to the babies? Oh, it's the baby. <laughs> Because the, the babies, babies are baby. Yeah. Because the babies opened up the investigation onto Bernice. That's right. This we is her the call babes. for help. She's holding us in her arms saying, please save me. Bernice is our mother. Release her <laughs> it's like, from it's like a, the damned prison that you have held her captive. Below, below that weird non-aerodynamic beaver that was temporarily painted in mid-court. There's... <laughs> Gil there's Coliseum. so many there's so many mysteries at legendary Gil Coliseum. Oh, <laughs> uh, I wish I I should have gone there today to be honest. I could have probably popped in um after the after the soccer game cuz I think volleyball was playing at the same time. So They were. Can we stop putting volleyball and women's soccer at the exact same game time? Well, yeah, well, especially at both home. Yeah, like, right. I understand that Oregon State doesn't decide all of that and there is a lot of things that go into scheduling, but imagine if one of those games was sort of right after the other, and you could just walk from one. Like, <laughs> wow. Like I would have be- done it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. JP would have been at both. Uh, the Beaver Dam, which has been showing out with, with great support, uh, could have could have been at both. Like, that's a that's a perfect day. So, uh, I yeah. yeah. Well, you were well, in Corvallis, JP. Uh, anything else on football, guys? No, nah, just win. Just yeah. win, baby. Yeah, and 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 thanks also in the fact that like we still have an opportunity to go to an amazing bowl game, and this can be a great season. So I know there's a lot of We're faith still that seems going to, be lost. to the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, there seemed to be a lot of uh, faith lost. I agree. Uh, after this, Keep we, the we faith. lost Keep the two hope. really really good teams yep it's and it's good that we're mad about it like right think about five years ago being this upset at oregon state losing good point two top 15 teams like it just shows how much we've grown from where we were at very good point five years ago you wouldn't have cared 
and you wouldn't yeah. have you wouldn't have listened to belligerent beeves on a Monday or Tuesday morning either. <laughs> Who wants that? Right, we, right. We lived that life, and you all let us live it. Yeah. God <laughs> damn it! It's good to be mad. It's good to be mad. I don't think I'm hungover anymore either. Guys. Yeah, nice. Nice. Helpful. I've, I, this is what happens. Like I don't know. I feel amazing right now. Oh, I feel great because we're talking beaver beaver athletics, man. Yeah, we man. Are. Everything we are. About, everything about the beeves makes you feel good. Just of even course. if we're not playing well, it's just good. Like this was. I, I will say, I will say this. Uh, there was an onlooker at uh, a spectator yeah, at the the soccer game today who made a comment in passing about bad weekend to be a Beavs fan, and I no agree. such thing. But I, I agree. It's been a rough week, and I, that's why I was right. like, yeah, it's been right. a rough week. It's like all around been a rough week, and we have. I think there's there's really one shining moment of the week, and I think that. Uh, Thank you, men's soccer, for, for, you know, holding your own. That was a beautiful fucking goal too that Ellis exactly. Beichner had in that win against UCLA. Andy, Andy, Andy Snacks called it. He did call it. He did call it. Shout out Andy Lassell, uh, staff writer for the the dive. If you haven't read his stuff yet, you're missing out. You are. It's witty. It it it's great coverage, and uh, it's just it's fun. So check it out on the dive. Pulitzerbeefs.com slash the dive. We're going to have a big week on the dive this week. It's nice. always a big week, but I've decided it's going to be bigger. Well, I'll write my recap of uh, of the women's game today, but I'll, I would like to summarize with, um, you know, it's tough goings right now for the women's team, uh, clearly. And you ran into two really, really good buzz, and deep programs. Deep programs that uh, – we're the opposite of that right now. So, like, if if they're deep because they're you know rolling through uh, the the valley of of the shadow of death, I take a look <laughs> at my life and not realize there's nothing left. And then and then you roll up to Corvallis and you're like, cool, where yeah. did where did this come from? That is that is kind of what those teams are when it comes to like their bench depth, right? We're the opposite. We are the we're in Palo Alto, and then all of a sudden you're looking and you're like, why is there a farm here? We just don't have the depth because I, I'm tying segments together. I'm not following this at all. I'm tying segments <laughs> together. Uh, we don't have the depth because we have seven people injured right now. Okay, and there's just it, it's just tough goings because we just can't keep the energy level up with the, with the, what these teams are able to do and bring to us. And like what I saw today firsthand was one, there was a frenzy at Paul Lorenzi. That that stadium was packed. It was packed. Hell yeah, awesome. It was it was a great day. Shout out to Beaver Nation for showing up. Very cool. Number two was the the ladies on the on the pitch were really giving it their all. And it, and when you're in person, you get to see a lot more than what you see on a one camera angle of the Pac-12 Network, right? Like. When you're watching on Pac-12 Network, they're just keeping focus on on the ball, and but you don't really see the la- the body language and the effort happening on the people not in frame. And I really got to see that firsthand today, and I was very impressed by that. Um, and not to be biased by any means, but I want to point out and shout out McKenna Martinez because you know she's a forward, so unless she's got the ball in her side of the field or at her feet, 
she's not in the frame of the TV. And as a viewer, you miss a lot of this. She was fighting for position all the time, the whole time. It was very rare to see any sort of downtime with her movement. Um, and she had to because because of all the injuries, because of the, the, the lack of depth right now on the team. The defense is, man, like it is It is a hack of McKenna, full bore hack of McKenna effort. And, you know, she... I, I, I got to give it to her because when I saw some of the ways that the, these defenders were coming at her, taking her out, doing whatever they could to just disrupt her game. And she like, you know, they'd get a, they'd get a whistle, whatever, but no, there was no cards or anything, at least that I was able to see. Um, but she just stood up and just would dust off and just go move on. And that's not how I think either any of us would react to being targeted so explicitly on the pitch, game in and game out. Uh, and I got a hand to her. Like she kept her cool. She just kept, kept trying to play her game. Today was just, yeah. I think I think it just was. Clear. The Bruins are really good. Oh yeah, they're number one in the they're number one in the nation. And like, <laughs> well, and the USC's really good too. So yeah. what yeah. what happens? So you we have seven players that are injured on a professional team. If you have seven players that are injured, you just call up somebody else or you sign another player. But you're gonna have eighteen people on the team. Uh, with with seven on the bench. So if you have seven players injured in college, do they have like redshirt freshmen that they can call up, or is the bench just shorter? I think it's just shorter. Right. Damn. There's there's a potential that uh, I, and I don't know how many walk ons we we have on, on the roster currently, um, but you know some programs that I, I have no uh, intel on if uh, Coach Nicola has you know like practice players. Um, there's but there are is like a certain level like you can have. Uh, like below the walk-ons, like players who can practice with the team, sort of like trialist in professional, mm. it would be like that equivalent. But I, it's that's not seven players. Yeah, so there. I think there's maybe a chance that like they could get added, like temporarily added to the game day roster. Uh, Man. But, I'm, but I'm not sure. So if you're not playing competitive soccer, like if you're, I mean, because like you maybe you're practicing with the team, but you're not like at in, ga- the games. in games, right? And then you yeah. go right? face and number so, one in the country, oh, UCLA, getting thrown to that. Yeah, yeah. What right. the fuck? There's yeah. no, yeah. That's Bro. that's why I like it. But this was this is like a blessing in disguise. I had a, I had another uh, onlooker comment that uh, yeah, the injuries are bad, um, and it's been rough these last two games, especially kind of it's been exploited, but better to have it against these two teams where it would have been a tough draw regardless and then yeah, get healthy right. on the games where you, you know, really can pull out a, a W. So, right. And it's a gr- still a great opportunity for the players who were active. And like, we obviously we're bullish on this team. Um, but obviously I don't think we had national championship thoughts, hopes g- going into Not this. Yeah. Hoping, hoping to make the tournament. Obviously, all these injuries are tough, but you know when, when this team is lifting trophies in two years, you sort of look back on how how that is is built, and it's you know games like this uh, in in the yep. rear view. So, um, so yeah, I knew they were going to look good. I knew they were going to show a lot of fight. We've uh, heard heard Coach Nicola say that in all of our conversations uh, with her. So it it's it's tough, but it's it happens, and it's not fair. So. Um, right. Hope to hope to see them get get back to their their winning ways uh, here very soon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, men's soccer is playing Cal on Thursday, mm-hmm. and then uh, women's plays earlier in the day in Boulder. Uh, yeah. So Thursday mm. against Colorado, another uh, th- they hit the road. 
Um, and then, hey, may, maybe they'll get some extract some revenge on, on Utah on on Sunday. Uh, Lizzie, look at look at the lineup at noon on Sunday. Do you see? Do you see it? The lineup at noon on Sunday. Uh, uh for for ma- the the schedule. So women's soccer at Utah at noon. Men's soccer versus Stanford in Corvallis at noon. Jesus. <laughs> women's volleyball at Wazoo at noon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Why? Why do you think that is? When was the women's soccer game this last weekend? Uh, they didn't have one. You mean women's today? soccer or today? Today was noon. Today was. I wonder. Do they just have all sports other than football start at noon? No, because men's soccer played at SDSU at three. That's right. Right. That one, yeah. I like. They do have a lot of noon matchups, noon games through the season. Interesting. On Sundays. I mean, it's probably get the kids back at back at home to study. You know, right, do, right. Do student things. But let's schedule all these games during the NFL. This is <laughs> Well, speaking of games not scheduled to play during the NFL season, baseball announced its schedule yeah the baseball schedule is coming out um and the university of minnesota will be going to surprise stadium in arizona Uh, i don't know if i'd know anyone around that program or not but maybe this (laughs) is the year we make the trip you guys Oof! i'd so much rather go to scottsdale for that tournament in february and for the conference championship in late may is that still gonna be this year again the the conference championship i believe so Uh huh. Is it in Arizona again? Pretty sure. That was such a a bad idea. (laughs) God, wasn't it like 110 degrees there during game time? Yes. Yeah, that's why they did it. Like eight championship game start. Yeah. Yeah. But but like I only saw on the schedule. It just said that the tourney is May 24th to 28th. But didn't say where. Oh. Uh, they, no, they should they should do it in Phoenix. Doing a, a, a outdoor event in Phoenix in June sounds like a fucking great idea. Right. <laughs> I think they should. Um, okay, so Oregon State's schedule. Uh, the schedule page on OCBeavers.com does not indicate that. I thought that was in the tweet, though. Uh, May 9th, of note, uh, Beavers at Univer- University of Portland. Uh, JPM guessing you will be there. Uh, times for these games have not been released. We're also doing that thing again. Noon. We play at Oregon <laughs> at noon. Uh, is there a really important thing that you're doing that day? Yeah, that's that's when it starts too. So uh, just, <laughs> just get, get, good fucking luck. Um, we're, yeah, we're doing that thing again too, where we'll have like I think we host Oregon in a non-conference game, and then the conference oh, games are in Eugene again. The the conference games are for sure in Eugene. They listen to the fans and they're like, we're just going to stack all in now and do this again. No no one understood it. Right. Um, I don't know. Well, anyway, I can't find that. And oh, I just got back to our Zoom window and JP is gone. He disappeared like Bob Newby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think they're doing the, the con. Well, well, you can get to the bottom of that. But I'm, I'm expecting the conference tournament to remain a thing. Oh yeah, in baseball. That was a that was a fun event to watch. I really yeah. liked it. Yeah. It was it was fun. I think they'll keep doing it. Um, yeah. Hey, welcome to the Sims Two. I'm back. <laughs> the ghost. <laughs> I'm gonna be Bob Newby for Halloween. <laughs> They're gonna keep doing the tournament. I'm just saying, is it gonna still be in Arizona? I, is it still gonna be? See, uh, last year around this time, I saw Scottsdale Stadium was sending out uh, communications about get your tickets to the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. So I don't know if that's still happening. 
there's so many nice MLB stadiums in the region that the Pac-12 plays that I'm sure they could find a team that is on a road trip during that weekend event. Right. I agree. How cool would that be if it like rotated between T-Mobile Park and it's not AT&T, but Oracle Park, Gi- yeah. Oracle, yeah. Oracle Park or like Dodger Stadium, right? Like that there's some great venues for them to play in. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can go indoors. At, I think it's is a Chase Bank now, whatever it is. Uh, and Chase and, Field, yeah, the Diamondback Stadium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like there's there's definitely plenty of options because they they had a game start at like seven a.m. or something was because you do yes. need you need yeah. I, I think they did it all in one stadium I think it would be ideal if it was like two but... that'd be the other thing why would you there's like a million spring training facilities <laughs> down there why would you not just try to uh, spread yeah. it out <laughs> why did the how did the Pac-12 plan it that bad and still I mean have the event go off pretty well yeah, but they planned it so bad. Because you could probably have, if you did it, I don't, and I don't know what UW's baseball stadium is like, but you could have most of the games at T-Mobile. But then early, early in the tournament, you could probably have UW host a game, like because it's there's like a little bit of a plate, like the lower seeds have to play in, I think. Uh, so you do need like <laughs> to have like nine games in four days, right, uh, or more. So, but like, I mean, you're not. I don't think Scottsdale. Like if they're worried about tickets or exposure, like you could still sell well for like the main games at T-Mobile, but then just have a smaller venue to make sure the rest of the thing happens. So, right. I don't know, but we know Mark Garland and I believe Aaron fit and uh, we have lots of enthusiasm for Beaver baseball on the timeline though right now. So I think those exhibitions they had with Gonzaga in beautiful Bend, Oregon were, uh, were a pretty big hit. Obviously, a lot's gonna happen between between now and when that season really gets going. But a lot's gonna happen. We're gonna have some news by that point. We're gonna have some uh, belligerent beeves baseball Ooh. news. We're gonna have a lot, a lot of exciting shit. Yeah. So stay tuned, Beaver fam. Just scooch to the edge of your seat right now and just sit there for and for, <laughs> for months, for six months. Just stay we'll today. announce it Panic. before. We're, we're coming soon. We'll announce coming things soon. soon. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else, you guys? It's fun to see you. Thank you for nursing me back to health. Yeah. Welcome back to health. Thank now that you. you're feeling health good, go great. get your third hangover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't watched this week's House of the Dragon yet, so maybe I'll open Ooh, a beer nice. and stay up too late and watch go. watch TV. Uh, yeah. Nice. Feeling, feeling good right now? Let's go fucking ruin it. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do right exactly yeah. exactly well thank you guys and good luck to the niners tomorrow night who are the niners playing Thanks. i just i know that they are playing i don't know who they're rams playing. week rams week Ooh, the defending champs on monday night football is it in san francisco or la it's in it's in santa clara but okay. yeah it's hard home yeah. or away home it's home cool Great. Yeah. That's what I was asking. The great Levi's Stadium. Um, anyway, well, thank you. Smack dab in the middle of Great America Theme Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the best stadiums always are. So <laughs> anyway, uh, well, thank you, uh, especially to the listener, for tuning into another great episode of the Belligerent Beeves podcast. Keep those chins up out there, Beaver fam. 
this football team is still special and has a lot, a lot more uh, good things to do this season. They're coming starting next Saturday at the farm, the famous Stanford farm. And whenever Mr. Stanford's farm, because yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement about this game. You're going to go and try and consume as much content as you can. Uh, but just remember, the only content you need are JP's notes from the predictions episode. Really just the first note, which I'm quoting this. Correct me if I'm wrong, JP, but read stupid tree. Yeah, That's really all tree. you need to know. Stupid yeah. tree. Fuck that tree. <laughs> Let's go chop it down. Because you can't spell chop them without hope. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Blue Drink Beefs podcast. I've been your co-host, Terry Horseman, at Terry Horseman on Twitter, at Terrence Horseman on the Instagram. Joined by my beloved friends and co-host in Bebe's Beavers fandom, uh, JP Bertram, at the underscore real underscore J on Twitter, because he's too real to be real, and at JP Bertram on Instagram. And heading with that play off smile heading to the mlb postseason because he's on the team in tacoma washington benjamin lawrence sebastian Weehage, aka benny with the good quaff aka benny bedlam because he's fucking crazy folks <laughs> he's the one with the bendy schedule at benny l 1986 on all the social media channels thank you again for tuning into the show please rate and review five stars wherever you get your podcasts especially apple and spotify listeners and please recommend the show to your to a friend uh from all of us thank you go beeves and remember that you can't spell chop them without hope chop them chop them chop them and bring back our sweet mother bernice please <laughs> and the baby <laughs>